0: hey guys welcome to the beyond fitness podcast this is episode 12 with our hosts myself jake van hoff and me
1: kate reese (laughs) And Today, guys, we have got another guest episode, and it's actually my cousin Vicky, um, who has kindly joined us. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I said this to Vicky yesterday, just uh, obviously, like, we know each other, but it's not really this sort of stuff. We've not really spoken a huge amount about. I don't know a huge amount about your kind of fitness journey and things like that, so I'm really looking forward to this. Um, So I guess to kind of get us started, Vicky, can you introduce yourself, you know, who you are, what you do, and we'll take it from there.
2: Thanks, Kate. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited to be here as well. So I'm also a Reese, uh, Vicky Reese. Um, So I live in northeast England, I actually live in Saltburn by the sea. And I teach Pilates and sports yoga. I've got two studios, uh, Pilates and yoga studios. The first one I started over in Yarm, um, which is in Stockton on Tees, just for anyone who's uh, listening. And uh, that that was 10 years old last year, which I can't quite believe. Wow. Um, started that in 2010. And then I've lived in Saltburn maybe about seven years now. And February 2019 opened the Saltburn branch of the studio. Um, so yeah, that's me. So I teach classes, uh, one-to-ones, and basically just try and... Keep the shoot both studios running and have another a great team of um, yoga and Pilates teachers who work there as well. Amazing. I had
1: no idea that the studio in Yarm was 10 years old. That makes yeah. me feel really old. <laughs> 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 That's crazy. Um, and I guess, you know, just hearing a little bit more about your own personal journey, Vicky, you know, how you got into the industry, your own sort of like fitness um, journey, what that looks like.
2: Yeah, sure. So when I was kind of thinking about how, how this all started, I mean, it's, I'll try and keep it um, a shorter version of the story. But <laughs> for me, I've always been um, interested in sport and sport's always kind of been my thing. And netball is my main sport, as you'll know, Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, when I was thinking about how it all started, I in first year juniors, when we did the first sports day with like a, a winner, if you like, I, I won the sports day of my class my year and um, i was really surprised like i didn't (laughs) i didn't expect to win it and um and it was great and then i and i didn't i didn't know i was i didn't think i was sporty. i didn't really know i was sporty but then the next year when sports day arrived there was like a little bit of oh who's gonna win it and i wonder if you're gonna win it again and i in my head was like yeah i really want to win this and that's kind of how it started so i won sports day every year at junior school um, and then kind of developed this persona of being sporty. I didn't, I played everything, but only through PE. I wasn't in any clubs at that age. And then when I went up to secondary school, because I was tall um, for for my age, I guess, I didn't really grow much actually after age 11. <laughs> um, but everybody thought I was going to be over six foot and it never happened. Um, but because I was tall for my age, everybody's like, oh, you should play netball, you should play basketball. So going into secondary school, Again, I had this just like a bit of a drive for um, I wanted to be good at sport, I wanted to be good at PE, and I really enjoyed it as well. So I joined the netball team um, in year seven, ended up being captain of the netball team all the way through school, joined a club when I was 13, which I, I've literally played for my whole entire netball career up until before COVID, um, and... <laughs> So, yeah, it was just, I was always interested in how the body moves and sport and netball and played county, played Super League. Um, just loved it, like, absolutely loved playing. And up until just before COVID, my um, team, like my club, we were fourth in the country in um, na- the National Netball League, which was just absolutely amazing. So, it was nice to have kind of come through the ranks and then reached that mm-hmm. of elite sport, if you like. And I think because of that, I had I've always had like a really good attitude to training because I've always really enjoyed it, and I've always wanted to be better. So I've always looked into researching different ways of my own training and working with different trainers and different strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of that's my background, if if you like. Um, but then in terms of how I started Pilates and yoga, it was yeah, how how did it happen? Well, it was my off season um and I saw I'd heard a little bit about Pilates but I actually didn't even know what it was and there was a class at my gym and I thought right I'm going to try that just for something different so I turned up in my like running shorts and baggy t-shirt <laughs> it was a mistake because when you've got legs in the air you don't want to be wearing baggy shorts <laughs> yeah. and things. I didn't have a clue I had my trainers on and obviously was asked to leave my trainers at the at the um, studio door and I loved it but I didn't I, I couldn't I think I loved it so much because I didn't understand it and it was something mm-hmm. completely new and a completely different way of moving my body because everything before that had been focused on the physical and this was me having to actually think about how my body was moving and why it was moving certain ways and I know I was terrible at it and um, I really wasn't very good I didn't know what I was doing but really strangely by the second class that I'd done I knew that I wanted to teach I wanted to learn and I wanted to mm-hmm. teach it. but it was such a bizarre thing to think because I'd only done two classes, I didn't know anything about it. I thought I'm not even I'm not going to tell anybody this is my plan. <laughs> but straight away I made a plan. So I, I decided I was going to learn how to do it. For I looked into courses. The particular course that I chose was down in London and you needed a year's experience. So I had it all planned out. I'm going to keep working for a year. Um, at six months after I've been practicing it, I was going to apply to do this course in another six months time. And that's kind of how it happened. So I ended up doing my teacher training, still didn't know where it was going to lead to because I was in a full time job at the time working for the North York Moose National Park. (laughs) But I was on a five year project and just kind of about year three, decided that when the project came to an end in year five, that this was my chance to do this as an actual career. And then it all happened very fast I kind of, I kind of knew that I wanted a studio, but I had done some freelance teaching as soon as I qualified, maybe like a year before, before my contract ended at work, and I finished work in the April, went to look at a studio, the, the one and only one that I ever looked at, um, <laughs> maybe in like June, I think, or July, and then opened the studio in the September. So it was wow. very, very fast. Um, and i i think it probably worked so well because i was probably very naive about how the whole thing <laughs> was going to work um and you know obviously kind of leaving a full time job that was quite well paid um for something that i didn't really know that much about so i've just i've i've been just been learning the whole way through really
1: i love that it's very much just like following your passion like you just got yeah. an idea in your head and you you made it work
2: yeah That's probably one of the main times that I've ever had that that feeling, that just like a bit of a drive, that this is what I want to do and Mm. this is what I'm going to do. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think it's really um, almost fortuitous for most of us to not know how hard something can be. Mm. Like, I'm sure if someone had told you when you were looking at the studios how difficult it was going to be to make it work as a business, to get clients through the door and all those sort of things you might have been a bit more hesitant but in that sort of just overexcited, like
1: the haze of it
0: enthusiasm you're like i'm gonna make it work like i'm just gonna make it work i'm just gonna go with it um yeah
1: and how is that being like kind of just like a one woman team you know initially getting that set up getting that started how did that all kind of transpire
2: yeah, I mean, I only had I think two freelance classes in the um, kind of catchment area of where the studio was that transferred over to the studio. So that was only two classes, and because of my the um, the qualification that I did, and actually because of the studio size, can only have twelve people in each class. So that and you know them, and they might not have been completely full. So you know, maybe I only brought twenty clients to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I did always have like an idea that it was going to be, and I think the reason I didn't call it like Pilates dis Pilates Studio to start with was because I did always have an idea that I wanted it to be a little bit of like a a hub for wellness and for health and to try and bring other people into it. But at the time, obviously I didn't really know how that was going to happen. And yeah, it was, it was tricky. And I did have to start thinking about when I was gonna have holidays um, and because I, I I can't remember how many years it was literally just me, mm-hmm. um, maybe like three or four years. I was the only person who taught classes and would occasionally have other teachers come in and ask to use the studio um, for different classes. But I kind of kept that separate as more of like a, a studio hire, like a separate thing rather than something that was on my timetable for. For clients and those first few years like were tough kind of money wise and there wasn't a lot of clients about um you know and everybody says oh it'll just take time to build up and that's exactly what it was really just yeah. time to get the word out there and get people knowing that this facility was was here
1: yeah I guess 10 years ago as well like Pilates probably wasn't that big like I think yeah. probably something over the last even I mean you'll you'll know better Vicky but I'd say like last sort of three or four years there's definitely been more of an emphasis on like mental health when it comes to exercise have you noticed that from from doing that that just the recognition of things like Pilates yoga is definitely increased
2: yeah definitely and I think um the whole like Yoga helps it as well, because when people haven't heard of Pilates, they've always heard of yoga. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of use the similarities and the differences to try and describe it to people what it is. Um, but strangely enough, like, would you believe, the week that I – the week before I opened in Yarm, so there was nothing like this in, in Yarm or in the area, I had a phone call from another teacher who was opening a Pilates studio <laughs> on the same high street oh the God. same week that I was opening. Which is just absolutely so. bizarre. Like, how does that even
0: happen? bet yeah. <laughs> both of you were cursing yeah. each
2: other. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking we were the first. Yeah, And neither of us were kind of the first. But, I mean, as it is, and this other studio is still going as well. And at the moment, we're at opposite ends of the high street. Um, and, you know, there's enough clients for both of us, really. And, and I think we're probably different styles and different personalities. So it's worked really well but it was a bit scary at first hearing that Mm. yeah i can imagine
1: yeah um i guess sort of like you know you said that initially you were a bit reluctant to call it like just pilates and you wanted it more to be like a wellness hub um I guess like our coaching style, when it comes to our clients, we we put a big emphasis on, you know, mental health, wellness, all of these things. And um, when it comes to like Pilates, yoga and things like that, like what is it that drew you to that? And is it something that you, you know, recommend when it comes to people just taking care of their general health?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think because I did come from a background of, like very physical intense sp- sport which is really hard on your body mm-hmm. I really liked it because it's the opposite um but it's still really good for you and it was like I say it was the first time that I ever had to actually think everything was just it was just so automatic when you're moving and when when I was exercising when I was playing sport but this was the first time I had to physically think about where my arm was going or where my leg was going or what my body was doing and then that kind of gives you that Head space, because and people still say this to me now at the end of the class what well, that's how was an hour passed so quickly mm-hmm. and it's because you you're focusing that much internally on yourself and on your breathing and on your body that you don't there's no space in your mind for what you're having for tea later on on the night or what you're doing tomorrow or what work you've got on and I think that's really important just to have that time and that space for your own mental health just to try and forget about everything else and just focus on yourself. And it's really refreshing at the end of a session to feel that way. Like, oh, God, I, ha- for a- I haven't thought about any of my problems for that whole mm-hmm. hour because I've been focused on something else. And I think that's, that's initially what I liked. I liked being able to slow it down um, and, yeah, just take that little bit of time and space because everything before that I, – I just always thought of exercises – fast and intense and Mm -hmm. really like driven and and this just showed me another side to it
1: yeah no it's it's definitely something that we recommend to a lot of our clients um just from like a wellness standpoint and I think there is that misnomer as well of a lot of the clients that come to us will maybe have like a high cardio kind of hit background and we'll maybe push them more to like a resistance kind of strength-based style of training and a lot of the feedback we get initially is oh I don't know if I'm working hard enough you know they're constantly checking their fitness trackers and it's it's telling you that they've not burnt as many calories but I think you forget that even just like the strength that it takes, like I mean, some of the things that I see you doing, Vicky, I'm like, wow, <laughs> like the core <laughs> strength that it takes to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is—it's just a different type of, it's a different type of movement, it's a different type of fitness. And a lot of the time, as well, I think people can have the impression that Pilates or yoga classes are really easy, and they can be. Like you, you can do a very gentle style of class, and then at the other end of the scale you don't necessarily have to be out of breath, but you can also, a class can be very, very challenging in terms of body movement and strength Mm -hmm. um, and also concentration as well. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think we're quite hypocritical, quite frankly, in terms of like, I'll recommend yoga or Pilates to clients very regularly, but I have like a set amount of stuff that I have to do for like my training from like a, uh, like weightlifting point of view and then I'm really bad at not making enough time to do other little bits and bobs I know I feel better mentally and physically when I'm doing something that's a little bit slower pace but generally something that a switches my brain off um and b prioritizes like movement quality like actually having a bit of mobility about me as opposed to just being pretty fixed um, yeah. like a block of wood um
1: I remember you saying last time the gym shut. You were like, "I'm really going to make the most of this time to work on my ankle mobility."
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but, but it's something we really recommend to clients. And I, I'll, I'll see it if I say to someone, "I want you to do some kind of meditation or Pilates or yoga practice two or three times a week." Within a week or two, they're like, "I feel so much better." Yeah. My mental health improved, even just like my relationship with food's improved because my brain's a bit quieter because my stress levels have gone down. Um, and there's a lot of sort of connection between people's um, ability to maybe stay more consistent with a diet or not have a poor relationship with food and chronic stress levels. Yeah. Uh, and when you bring those down, people don't have as hard a time avoiding things like binge eating, for example, because they're not chronically stressed. Um, so I know I see the benefit of it massively even though I'm clearly too much of a hypocrite to do it regularly myself. Um, I know we've got classes at the gym we're rejoining now um, and as you were speaking there about the benefits Vicky I was kind of going I wonder if I'll make time to go to (laughs) the classes at Nutfield from now on. Um, They're very busy. I know that from having worked at this gym that we've rejoined that those classes book out. The second they go on the timetable, people have it like alarm set. I'm getting into those classes. Yeah. Um, So we'll have to make it a priority if we are going to.
1: We'll
2: see. Yeah, Uh, And that the time thing can be like a bit of an issue. And I especially get that from um, people who are athletes because uh, and then what I'll say to them is maybe don't think of what we're doing in terms of Pilates or yoga as your exercise count because they feel like They might, you know, like I say, they don't really feel that much as if it's that much of a workout at the time, even though they often tell me that they like afterwards and really feel it afterwards, like a day or two days after. So I'll try and say to them, well, don't think that, don't think of it as exercise. Think of it as maybe like leisure time or time Mm -hmm. for your mental health. And then I sometimes find that those sort of people might be more inclined to fit it in because they're not thinking like, oh, today I need to exercise. But if I just go to that class, I don't feel like it's going to be enough for me yeah because um, they want to feel like they're working a little bit harder or sweating or getting the heart rate like right up
1: yeah I quite like that idea actually because I think you always you always do prioritize that like I would prioritize getting my workouts that are programmed for me in a week prioritize yeah. getting things like steps in to remain active but I guess seeing that as almost just like another another thing to just like fit into your week as a little bit of like a non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, it's probably and it's one of those things that I I think as well is like the the more you do it the more you feel the benefit from it so it is you just have to have to do it and get started to then feel the benefits
0: Mm. yeah yeah our our, 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 our pal Mel ran a yoga practice near us and we went we must have clocked up like a couple of months going every single week every
1: Saturday morning and it was such a lovely way to start the day like the weekend it was like our thing wasn't it
0: and we were getting quite good.
1: Yeah, we were getting yeah. quite
0: good.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, it'd be nice to nice to start something like that. You mentioned working with um, athletes, Vicky. I know that you kind of you've worked with kind of football players um, and things like that. And how how do they benefit from doing that kind of training alongside, obviously, everything else they're doing?
2: Yeah, I mean, the main thing with athletes is. Um, Um, and kind of introducing them to Pilates and yoga is to say that this is hopefully going to be able is going to be one thing that's part of your training that is going to extend the life of your career, Mm -hmm. which is for a lot of them, the reason why they're wanting to do it because they want to, especially when they're professional, they want to play for as long as possible and be as fit and as agile and as mobile as possible. Um, So I always find that that's probably one of the best ways to try and, sell it to them to say you know through these practices you are the idea is that we're going to make you more mobile stronger less prone to injury and like I say the idea is that your career should be able to last longer and hopefully have less injuries Um, and in terms of the sessions themselves it's it tends to be like an add-on to their existing training um, with the footballers it would it would completely depend in terms of because sometimes i will be brought in before training so if it's before training to make sure especially if it's a heavy day for them that it's not going to be too strenuous so it's more of like a mobility session um if it's after training it, it again it would be a bit more mobility but more of like a cool downy maybe a stretchy type session um sometimes it was like on their recovery day so we can do a little bit more work but again nothing too Strenuous. Mm. Um, sometimes it was specific to um, a player because of injury. So somebody would be brought for a very specific reason. So the session would be tailored for them for that particular need um, or posi- a positional reason. And I think, again, a lot of people, if when they think of like Pilates and, and yoga, might think of it's kind of one style. And you might think, oh, it's just a class that you teach them and it's the same all the time. But I say it can be very, especially for athletes, it needs to be very tailored to their needs because their time is so limited that if they don't feel they're getting anything out of it, they're not going to want anything to do with it really. So they need to see and feel physically feel the benefits of it yeah. to get the most out of it.
1: Yeah, and I guess do you find you get a lot of pushback from them? I'm just imagining, I don't know whether it's a bit of again like one of these just you assume Pilates
2: yoga, oh, it's a very
1: female thing. It's maybe for the older generation. Like, do you find that they push back a lot with that?
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a mix, really. So there was um, under two kind of separate uh, managers. There was one who decided that it was going to be an optional. So they put on so many sessions. And um, in those sessions, I really got the people who knew the benefits and wanted to be there. Sometimes they would be maybe pushed by the medical staff to go and try this. We think it will be good for you. But when it was optional, it was, like I say, for those who had a bit of a drive for it or who were curious to learn a little bit more. But then I've also been in the situation where it was mandatory and not everybody had to go. There was no choice. This is what you're doing. And those sessions were quite different because you had the mix of the people who didn't want to be there Mm -hmm. didn't really think it was beneficial for them and then the other half who knew about the benefits wanted to do more and then again that's kind of like a management issue as a teacher where you've got to like oh where do where do I pitch this Mm -hmm. session I've got some who are really good and really into it and I've got others who I need to keep interested but are not really that interested in it Mm -hmm. um but yeah on the whole I do tend to find that the older athletes i mean when i say old i'm probably talking like mid-20s to <laughs> now, Um tend to because they're coming to that critical age where they want to keep going for longer and they're seeing all these young younger players coming into the into the game and into the sport they're really keen to do anything anything that they can mm. um, the younger ones they've still got youth on their side and they're full of energy and loads of fitness and they probably think they're a bit invincible. Um, but that's that's like a real general statement because I've had some really good younger players who even at that age know about the benefits. But actually saying that, one of the things that always strikes me is the amount of people who maybe in their late 20s who have started at that age, who've always said that their biggest regret is just not starting it when they were younger. Yeah.
0: I think I think that's really common in that I, I'm just thinking even the way I behaved as, a, as an athlete playing rugby, stuff like that. You almost have to have a bit of a knock to say, yeah, you can just be blown out of this. Yeah. Um, and the same like I've not had a I've not had a knock back with with my training for three or four years now. Touch, Touch wood, wood. Um, and I reckon, but I know a lot of people like say who, who I'm who I respect, maybe in a mentor role or something, who are in their 30s, um, who do similar sort of training to me, and um, obviously work in the industry who say, you know, you've got to look after your body if you want to be doing this into your 40s, into your 50s. Bit different for athletes, obviously, it's a shorter time frame, but I think everyone ha- hits that stage if they haven't had a nasty injury early, they hit that stage where they go. Oh, I kind of wish I'd done this a bit earlier because I'm feeling a bit achy. I'm feeling the niggles. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd looked after myself a bit more earlier. Um, uh, but I, I do think it's almost like the whole at school thing where you almost have to go through the period where you go, no, nah, this is uncool. I'm not going to take school very seriously and get to the stage where you go, I wish I'd taken that a bit more seriously and maybe worked a bit harder or whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, for most people anyway. Um, yeah and you know they'll come round to that um and i think most people prof- professional athletes especially are going to hit their step that stage even if it's just for selfish reasons of i just want to earn money for longer mm. um, where they're going to want to do things like that to elongate yeah. Their career.
2: yeah you're right it's, it's like anything it just takes like a certain level of maturity to, mm-hmm. and a bit of hindsight to be able to go oh yeah, this is great. Um, why did, why wasn't I doing this early? But at that time, it's probably the, the furthest thing from your mind, isn't it? Because you, you do kind of think you're a little bit invincible. And mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I
1: think you hear about it a lot more as well of like um, athletes being encouraged. We actually, we did a podcast um, with one of Jake's old school friends who's a professional rugby player a few weeks ago and, and they're massively encouraged to meditate and mindfulness and all of these things. And, um, and I think it is becoming more common that people are being pushed to do that.
0: Yeah. yeah looking outside the box, being a bit more holistic with everything. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think before, maybe like it was just the body that we thought about when we thought of athletes and training. And now people are starting to realise more and more in terms of coaches that it's about the whole Package and sometimes somebody can have the body and the physical traits to succeed, but if their mind's not right, they're not Mm. going to be able to get to that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think football's definitely quite far ahead of rugby in that. I know I've heard rugby players say that kind of seeing a psychologist is optional in rugby. I I think it's pretty mandatory in football that you see people about your psychology and uh, behavioral, not behavioral psychologists, sports psychologists. Yeah. Um, Because I think they tend to be a little bit ahead. Um, I wouldn't imagine that Pilates is massive in in professional rugby yet, um, even though it's it's from what you've said quite um, quite big in, in football. Yeah. Um, yeah. Football a, lot of, um,
2: a lot of the bigger clubs, especially Premier League clubs, will actually have almost like a fully kitted out um, Pilates studio with all the mm. equipment um and you know whether it's the physios that do the training with them or whether they bring in teachers to do it with them but it's a really common sight now in in football to see all of the pilates equipment. Oh that's really, that's really cool. Good. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah.
1: like
2: that. Yeah. yeah. Do you do a lot
1: of the reformer pilates as well don't you Ricky?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'd love to do classes, but it's a bit of a space issue, and they're also quite expensive. The machines to buy,
1: I've heard um, that.
2: Yeah, really expensive. So, so at the moment, I've one at either studio, and we use it for uh, on a one-to-one basis, so for one-to-ones. But I have a few pieces of the, the equipment is tends to be called like the classical Pilates equipment because it's Joseph Pilates, who's the guy who in 1920 started the whole Pilates exercise thing. He kind of made these bits of equipment from like bed springs and chairs and all sorts, which are still kind of the, it's still the formula like of how they're made today. Mm-hmm. Um, so over at the arm studio, we do what we call Pilates equipment classes. So we um, the, the class is kind of like half the normal size, but we have one, one of each piece of big equipment and we tend to do like a little bit of a circuit style class with a little bit of mat work in between each piece of equipment. Um, but it just means that you can use the equipment in a a class environment, whereas there there are a lot of reformer studios about mm-hmm. um, where you know they might have like six to, or some of the bigger ones in London might even have ten reformers in one room, and then everybody does like a class is taught on the actual reformer machine, which is would be absolutely amazing to do. But yeah, a bit of a space and money issue. <laughs>
0: yeah, Vicky, can you give a little? I mean, I, I'm really ignorant. What what is a reformer? Um, piece yeah. of kit and, and what's the benefit of it?
2: Sure. So um, if you imagine it almost like um, like a really large mat which forms like the basis of it and we call that bit the carriage and it's on like a metal frame um, stood up off the floor so it's as if there's like um, like a large kind of bed maybe at knee height off the floor like a, a real padded mat mm-hmm. the actual that part that we call the carriage the padded bit is on runners and it moves up and down on the runners the bottom half of the carriage is linked by springs um, to the end. So you can you can increase the resistance and that's kind of the idea of it. It's a resistance machine. And there's different colored springs. There's like light springs, medium springs, heavy springs. Um, the idea with the reformer is that if somebody, so if you imagine like um, a lion, double leg raise and double leg lower, it takes quite a lot of core stability to be able to do that. So on the reformer, we also have... Um, ropes at the back of the reformer which are attached and then there's loops for what you can put your hands or your feet in so if you were to lie on your back um with your and you put your feet into these loops which are attached to ropes and you have like say medium spring on the reformer the carriage moves back as you lower your legs down and basically what the machine's doing is it, it's taking away a little bit of your body weight so it would mean that you could still do a double leg lift and low with one foot in each of the loops, um, whereas somebody you might not be able to do that on the floor, like without your back really arching or, or moving, yeah. or you just might not have the strength to, to do it. But on the Reformer, we can make it so that you could perform that exercise. Um, and unlike machines at the gym, it tends to be on the Reformer, the lighter the spring, the harder the resistance because right. you, your body has to move the carriage, like your strength has to move the carriage. Um, so that's kind of it was actually created as a rehabilitation tool for mm-hmm. that reason. So you can build somebody's strength up, and then when they get stronger, you can make it a, um, a little bit less resistance, a little bit less, a little bit less. Yeah. But at the other end of the scale, for people who are very strong, you can make it a, make the movements a lot more challenging for them um and you you can do it's really versatile so you can either do exercises lying on your back uh lying on your front standing side lying sitting um but yeah it was created as a rehabilitation tool and like i said the machine's spring-loaded for resistance mm-hmm.
0: cool Th- thanks for explaining that just... yeah.
2: <laughs> hope it's... you can picture it in your mind i don't know if that was the best description
0: i feel like yeah, i feel I've like i have people seen people, people on it now them. they yeah.
1: almost look like it's this is probably a really bad thing to say, but they almost like like a bit of a torture device. <laughs> you see people like strapped yeah. into them doing certain things.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't be the first person to say that. Kate. Yeah, a lot of people come in and they're like, if they haven't seen one before, and I'm like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go on the reformer today. They're like, what, what? is that? It looks a bit scary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no that's brilliant um, and I guess to kind of bring it back to you a little bit Vicky um obviously well not obviously people aren't gonna know and um, I didn't know because my dad is terrible at telling me any kind of family information um <laughs> you are 18 weeks pregnant um, so and really, congratulations. congratulations we're gonna have a baby in the family which is very exciting um what's sort of the next sort of six to 12 months obviously um you know going to be jub- juggling mum life being a total sort of like entrepreneur girl boss managing the studios like how's all that gonna look the next sort of year or so
2: well um i'm due in september middle of september and uh, my plan all going well is to work <laughs> until the end of august wow so i'll, so I'll still be teaching up until then but um, I, I've just this kind of past week got to the point where I'm starting to need to modify the way that I'm teaching, especially some of the more intermediate style exercises. Yeah. So that'll be um, interesting, planning the classes kind of going forward from there. Um, obviously, I'll be really improving my verbal descriptions and verbal skills as well <laughs> um, instead of actual demonstrations. So, yeah, I'm going to work up until the end of August. I've got a really good uh, teacher who's going to cover my classes um, and one to ones as well while I'm off across both studios. Um, Like I said, there's another, uh, the rest of the teachers are great as well, and they'll obviously carry on with their own classes as usual. Whilst I'm off, so whilst I won't be teaching, I still expect to be able to to be taking um, inquiries, so phone calls, emails. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's gonna work. Maybe I'll set certain, t- you know, certain time, um, a certain mm-hmm. amount of time a day to be able to do those. And then thinking about the studios as well, I still I'm really keen to keep a hand in on how they're looking. You know, is everything okay? So I'm I'm thinking that, and I don't know when I'll be able to start this after um, the baby's born, but probably need to go to each studio like at least once a week just to mm-hmm. check everything's okay, everything's looking okay. Um and then a few months off again, just gonna kind of wait and see, be back sometime in the um new year and whether that's like a phased return of one day and then a little bit more. But yeah, I don't I definitely don't plan to kind of stop. I'm really keen to, yeah. to keep going. And uh as Cade and I, my partner, are both self employed, it's it's handy for us because we can kind of manage. Yeah childcare together um and he works in saltburn as well which is where we live so we're gonna work something out but yeah it's obviously all new and Mm -hmm. um we'll just we'll just kind of have to play it by ear i think but yeah, yeah i mean i'm really keen to keep everything going and be as involved as possible and then yeah ready to come back and start teaching in some format from um early next year
1: yeah. And do you think you'll continue to kind of look to grow the business and get more studios or are you quite happy keeping it a little bit more niche and a little bit smaller?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've thought about quite a lot. Um, but obviously with more studios comes more work. And then yeah. at some point it's I'm, I'm quite a comfortable place now at the minute with both of them and managing everything. It, so the new one's been open two years now and the first year was quite difficult to try and get that balance of working between the two you know Mm -hmm. having some days in this one and some days in this one um and it's like i said quite a nice balance at the moment so i don't know but i do feel like um if if i did go for i think once you go past three you're almost looking at maybe either franchising or getting some kind of manager in to manage the the place because i think three is I don't even know if three would be my app. I mean, three would be my total limit. but mm-hmm. I don't know if two is my limit, and maybe three yeah. would, especially because we'd be looking. You'd be looking in a different geographical location. location, and then you've got to add into the travel time and and things like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I would. I definitely wouldn't say no to expanding, but it's just how to how to do it. Do you franchise it? Do you get somebody else? to run it or do you open it yourself and then bring in a manager to try and manage across the studios or a manager of each. Yeah. yeah. I guess you're just
1: like adding an extra layer in there, aren't you? Yeah. And I guess it's like your baby in a sense, like you're yeah. so invested in it. It's, it's your thing to then, you know, with it growing, it, it will add more pressure and more stress. Of course. Yeah.
0: It's a fine balance, isn't it? It's something we've talked about with our business in that, uh, growth at some point requires
1: letting go a bit of that control really
0: yeah. a bit of control and I think we've had that conversation Kate finds it a little bit harder than I do yeah um, <laughs> I, I've kind of already got I got my head around it maybe five years ago that I wasn't gonna have control of whatever business I ran because um, you have you have to when it grows um, mm. but equally you know our, our business kind of requires that yeah. potentially um it doesn't really sound like yours does to an extent necessarily mm. um but yeah kate kate doesn't like it at all um the idea of other people having
2: uh no i do uh
1: but it's just a control thing hopefully yeah
2: no i agree with that and i think when when you you kind of when you're the, the face of the business as well it's even more difficult because people mm. expect to to see you and then if you're there like less and less, and other people kind of uh, are coming in, they're a bit like, oh, this isn't what I signed yeah. up for. But then you have the whole new intake of customers who are not used to seeing you there. But it's just, yeah, it is. It's just a really fine balance. Mm. It
0: comes down yeah. to trust ultimately. That I mean, yeah. that that's the hard part. The similarity between our our businesses is is if if that growth does happen, and for yourself, I guess being on maternity leave, yeah, it's yeah. just.
1: Got to trust trusting that someone
0: else is going to do the same job that you can, and ultimately, yeah. a lot of us are probably quite. Um, What's the word? Probably like think a lot of ourselves deep down in that. Mm. No, no one can replace what I do. Yeah, I'm the, yeah. Be- I'm the best at what I do. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd never be able to hand my clients off to other people and kind of say, "Oh yeah, you'll get the same service. Definitely, everyone yeah. they're they're just as good as me. I can't. I couldn't say that." Um, so it's hard to to trust other people I guess yeah
2: mm,
1: No, totally yeah um and I guess just changing the pace a little bit there um obviously we are big foodies Vicky yeah. <laughs> I know you are as well um, yeah. I just wanted to kind of touch on nutrition a little bit and uh, you know how I guess has your relationship with food nutrition evolved over the years as you're you know you are an athlete it's it's obviously incredibly important and just how you kind of manage the two being really into your food but also obviously very in tune with your body and wanting to fuel yourself for that
2: yeah I think I'm lucky in the respect that I feel like a lot of the foods that I really like to eat are really healthy mm. which is very lucky um but having said that i do have a really sweet tooth as well like chocolate is my thing anything chocolate chocolate cake chocolate um i'm not so fussed with sweets at all i can take it or leave it yeah um and at the moment and i have been for a while i probably something like a 90 percent vegetarian yeah 10 um, like meat and fish eater and that's kind of just i've almost i've like lost the taste of Eating like meaty foods, I'm just not really, don't really feel them anymore. Mm -hmm. But I don't, but I I don't like to deny myself anything. So if I ever, if I'm ever out, and you know, once a year I might feel like a steak, then I'll have a steak because I try not to um, restrict myself too much. And I think, like anyone, I mean, I can completely overindulge. Like if I go on holidays, I could eat a three-course meal every night. Mm Without fail um, and I would absolutely relish in it, yeah. uh, but then when I would come back home, it wouldn't be that I would put myself on like a strict diet or anything, but I'd just be a little bit more careful about what I was eating um and so far that that's kind of it's got me by really I, I think like I say for me, just trying not to deny myself anything because as soon as I do, I just want it even more mm. um, but yeah've i I kind of I think I've always had a fairly healthy relationship with food yeah. I mean my tastes have definitely changed over the years and I don't know if this is the same for anyone but when I I think back to when I was younger like at school and at college and the sort of things I would eat for lunch just ridiculous like when I was at school I remember in year 11 I am um, and I go through this phase of like eating the same food all the time yeah. so I have A kid, do you know what a stotty is like a big stotty white oh yeah kid. yeah yeah, yeah. So I would get one of those from the bakery and I would buy a giant bag of um, onion rings and that would be my lunch. And I would just have an onion ring stotty sandwich. I it <laughs> every day for probably like a year or something. Wow. Yeah, like year 10 or year 11. Ridiculous. And now I think, it's... Back and I think, oh, it's
1: awful. It's crazy what you can get away with though, isn't it, at that age? Yeah.
0: Look, to be fair, it sounds unreal as a one-off snack or like like once <laughs> every now and again. Yeah. But I can't imagine eating that for lunch every day. Yeah, <laughs>
2: oh, every day. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I think I've always maybe been like a little bit fussy with food as well, um, because I don't like the taste of milk. So I've never liked porridge. I've never liked cereal. I don't drink tea or coffee because I don't like the taste of it. Um, So I've I've struggled for a long time with breakfast. And again, going back to being younger, I went through a phase of having minestrone soup for breakfast (laughs) every day. And then I went through a phase of having, you know, those bottles of um, chocolate milkshake, like the the th- real thick ones.
0: Yazoo or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. another one was I had a Mars bar when I was at college every day for my breakfast, just as something to have because I didn't like cereal. I didn't know what else I could I could eat. Mm. Um, I've, I've come full circle, really. I've done all of the bad things and kind of lost the taste for them
0: Yeah.
2: Um, other than chocolate. And now, like, I like vegetables and avocados and eggs and... Um, salmon and just like fairly healthy food yeah (laughs) Yeah. and do you find that that just comes quite
1: intuitively with you like are you just quite in tune with that
2: yeah i think it does and um i love i know people talk a lot when it comes to nutrition about color and color on the plate and uh, if i ever make a meal and there's no color there it just it just doesn't sit right with me like i like (laughs) to have like loads of different colors so um again one of my phases, uh, much to kids' disappointment, because literally for the last five years I've had the same thing with breakfast every single day. I have a flatbread, um, scrambled eggs, half an avocado, and maybe like a chopped apple and maybe a few like berries. But that colour, like the, the bright yellow of the eggs and the green of the avocado, and the apple and the red berries, it just it tastes, it just feels healthy to me to mm. have that. Yeah.
0: I'm weird I'm weird for that cuz I I'll do that I don't even think about it like if we make something that like has a sauce that's quite brown I usually want something green, green or red in it mm-hmm. like um yeah. peppers or like spring onions or peas or something I yeah. always want like there to be a contrast color in there and yeah. I always think it's like quite like a a chefy thing but I think it might be a nutritionist thing
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: um yeah
1: like I I love I love vegetables
0: I can't have like, we'll often have three or four ve- different kinds of vegetables in a dinner.
1: But it can't be the same color. It can't
0: be the same color. It couldn't be like, <laughs> it couldn't be peas, avocado, spring onions, for example. No. Yeah. As- sorry, asparagus. I always mix those two up. Um, yeah, it'd have to have like a red or an orange or a yellow in there. Um,
2: yeah, I-, I totally get that. Yeah. It's really things, isn't it? Yeah yeah well that's
1: been fab vicky um i guess you know to to round things up we do have three questions that we always ask um our guests so i guess the first one staying on the topic of dinner um if you could have anything for your dinner tonight it literally it could be anywhere in the world money's not an issue covid doesn't exist calories don't exist what would it be
2: So um, I took a little bit of thinking about this and I would have like a Greek mesi plate. So just everything, Greek food, like feta, halloumi, um, those like vine leaves, vegetables, Mm -hmm. pita breads, hummus, like you name it, everything like that.
0: Good pita bread.
1: Oh, some falafel.
2: Yeah. And some uh, Greek desserts as well. Those like honey flaky pastries that they do as (laughs) well.
1: Do you remember when we went to Skiathos for that? Uh, wedding for that wedding. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. You know what? That's when I thought about Greece and food, I just thought that food was amazing. It was. That's exactly what I'd want to replicate. Amazing. I yeah. could literally
1: just see us there sitting on the
2: beach. <laughs> the dishes just kept coming and coming and yeah, coming. It
1: <laughs> <laughs> laughing it up. Amazing. Do you want
0: to which one you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um so Vicky, if you could give yourself um, maybe keep it like fitness and nutrition related slightly. If you could give your past self one piece of advice, what would that be?
2: OK, so um, to do with kind of like body and body image, if you like, um, I didn't realize until after I got pregnant that I had a really like I had a, like a reasonably flat stomach um i just never like just something that i completely taken for granted never even realized was a thing and to be honest i didn't really think it was that flat anyway but as soon as it started to um round a little bit i was like oh man like it's rounded it was not rounded before and even like right at the start and i was like yeah i really should have appreciated that a little bit more <laughs> at the time <laughs> that's so funny
0: i think that's, i think that's something most of us i have that conversation with clients all the time of like uh you'll i guess in our experience it's to do with like them changing their bodies and it being kind of like a body transformation sort of thing i just say something like make sure you appreciate where you're at because often you'll get to what was your destination that you wanted to get to that you were so keen to get to and you'll just go well this isn't good enough i just want the next thing um and to really appreciate that i know i've been guilty of that a lot in the past um, you know,
1: yeah. You never appreciate where you are, do you? No. Yeah. Or give yourself any credit for
0: it. We can. It's just, it, just inherently, you have to work on it. I guess.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: A bit like COVID's made us grateful for everything normal Literally in everything.
2: life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and finally, Vicky, um, you know this can be either personal or it can be your own personal fitness um, goals. What? you know what's the goal for the next couple of years if you could kind of put your finger on
2: on one thing or a couple of things
0: healthy birth
2: yeah <laughs> <Safe pain delivery. laughs> yeah uh well before i found out that i was pregnant um in january i was looking looking for something to do because i always like to have like a bit of a name and obviously there's been no netball with covid mm-hmm. and without that structure I felt like a little bit lost and, um, it, you know, I live by the sea and there's a sprint triathlon that happens in July every year on the beach. So it's like a sea swim cycle and a run. Yeah. And, um, I was thinking for this year, if I could get, I've, I don't have a road bike, but I was even thinking about getting like a, you know, a secondhand road bike and try my hand at road bike. And I've already been doing like a few little sea swims, um, and building up to that. So I think probably looking for the following year now, uh, July 2022, I'd like to try my hand at a sprint triathlon. Nice. Um, Yeah, and do the training, obviously, before and building up to it and everything.
1: You're one of those nutters going into the sea in Saltburn.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, it's amazing. And um, I can't believe that I do it, actually, because I'm such a wuss when it comes to the cold. Um, But yeah, it's very exhilarating. You you need somebody next to you to talk, 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 to distract you while it's um, so cold. Yeah, I can
0: imagine. Ooh. I have cold showers most mornings, and Kate thinks I'm a complete psycho. Complete psycho. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think she'd be a fan.
2: I actually think showers, cold showers, are harder because you can quite easily control the water temperature. And, yeah. and I've tried it before. When it gets too cold, I'm like, "Oh, I'll turn it up." But yeah. in the sea, there's no, there's no choice. Yeah, harder go to go in it. shower.
1: Yeah, I can always tell when you're having a cold shower because you literally take ages because I can tell you're like psyching yourself up to change it from <laughs> hot to cold.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't go straight into cup. Co- that's way harder. If the hot yeah. water's out, even though I have a cold shower every morning, like a minimum, a minimum of a minute on like the coldest setting, if the hot water's out and I can't get into the hot shower to start off with and have like a bit of like relaxation at the start, yeah. that's really unpleasant. I don't yeah. like that at all. Uh, straight into the cold, which is basically what getting straight into the sea will be like, yeah. not kind of it. Pretty no. savage. <laughs> Pretty savage.
1: Yeah. Right, well, thank you so much, Vicky. It's been so lovely to chat to you um, and just hearing a little bit more about, um, you know, your journey, I guess. Um, if people want to find you, Vicky, you have a podcast yourself, so if you want to do a little plug, um, where oh. can where can the listeners find you?
2: Uh, so the podcast is called the TS12 podcast. Uh, TS12 is the postcode where uh, we live, and it's on iTunes. Well, yeah, you can find it on iTunes or Spotify. Um, and uh, we release one every two weeks now, normally released on a Thursday morning. And I think it'll be uh, it'll be next Thursday when the next one's released. Um, and we are the, uh,
0: releasing this on Monday, the third of May.
2: Yeah. Bro. Monday the 3rd of May. I'll listen out. And, uh, so yeah, where will that be?
0: When will your next podcast be relative to Monday the 3rd of May?
2: Um, well, ours, we're recording tomorrow, actually. So it'll be next uh, Thursday. So 29th of April, ours will be released.
0: Cool. So already loads
2: of episodes and it'll,
0: So the latest episode will already be live. So that's fab. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And where else can people find you if they want to find you on social media? Uh, So the studios are Studio 21, Studio 21 Saltburn, Studio 21 Yarm. Um, Instagram, I think, is Studio 21 Pilates Yoga, Facebook, Studio 21 Pilates. Um, Or the website is thestudio21.co.uk. Lovely. Amazing.
1: And hopefully we'll get along at some point I know yeah. I've always said that <laughs> definitely that'd be lovely but it would be nice if we're down south to down south <laughs> <Listen> to me
2: <laughs> have too long, Kate.
1: oh I know I know <laughs> anyway thank you so much Vicky um oh, thank and yes, hope thanks to the listeners for listening
0: yeah we will catch you in the next episode, guys.
1: Yep. Yeah, if you've listened and enjoyed, please share it to stories. Don't forget to tag us. You know, you know the score by now. Subscribe, subscribe, comment, leave us a review. All that it. good stuff. All that good stuff.
0: And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.